Um, so have you guys? Hi, Ellie. Man, my cat is being so needy right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have a cat. For those of you who haven't figured that out yet, because she's always torturing us during these podcasts. Um, have you guys been paying attention to anything with the uh, Herrera versus Wyoming case today? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Seems like some nonsense. I did not. I had a crazy day at work and I did not see anything. Well, let me let me fill you in, Rob, uh, because I'm like starting tomorrow. I'm going to try and reach out to somebody. Well, and by somebody, I mean, like I'm going to start doing research. Not, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but I'm going to try and find somebody to see if they'll come on and talk to us about this, uh, because this <clears throat> could have very, very big uh, implications uh, for Western hunting in the future. So the case is a guy named Claven Herrera, who's a member of the Crow tribe of Indians. Uh, he was hunting elk on the Crow reservation and him and a couple other tribal members shot three elk. I'm reading this off of Ballopedia. Uh, shot three elk after following the animals out of the Crow Reservation and into the Bighorn National Forest. So he was charged with two misdemeanors for hunting without a license and during closed season, because obviously, well, yep. I don't know. I don't know when it happened, but it was out of season, apparently. Um, uh, Herrera sought to have the case, uh, have the charges dismissed, arguing that a 1968 Crow Treaty gave him the right to hunt where he did, and the treaty preempted state law and yada, 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 some other legal jargon. But basically, uh, he said that that treaty made back in 1968, which was directly after the Civil War, the Civil War end 68 did end in 68, I think. Uh, anyway, you, you uh, just said 19. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Not 1968. 1868. No. no. Yeah. Sorry about that. 1868 um, basically supersedes the uh, any state law. And uh, the today, the Supreme Court sided with him and they said, you are right. It does. Uh, so this also, 1865 is the official end. OK. Yes, I should know that because I think it was is it sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce was created in 19 or 19 I said it again, 18, <laughs> like 63 or 64. And the running joke is, yeah, let's create a new barbecue sauce in the middle of the Civil War. That's what we need. Uh, so, but yeah, but anyway, so this this could have some pretty big implications for uh for hunting, I would think just in the West, not just necessarily Wyoming, but in the West, if they're basically saying that these treaties uh, are going to be going to be honored for uh, tribal members. So I'm uh, I'm interested to see how this plays out. The legal nerd in me is I know it's not maybe might not be uh, enthralling news for the non legal nerds. But as hunters, I feel like people should be paying attention to this because I think this could have bigger repercussions than we anticipate, especially if you are interested in hunting bison, because a lot of the bison tags out West, from what I understand are already given to tribal members Mm -hmm. and the white man doesn't get to hunt very many of them because so many are allocated to native American people. 
And if that's if they honor these kind of treaties, then the Native Americans are just going to, I would assume, uh, uh, you know, hunt what they want when they want to uh, uh, per the treaty and whatever treaties they want to cite at this point, I would guess. And uh, that may not be so favorable for uh, for uh, wildlife numbers. So I'm going to try and hunt someone down. Seems pretty shitty if they can just go wherever they want and kill stuff out of season just because they're Native American. I mean, that doesn't seem like a very good way to con- like to have a healthy conservation herd. model. Yeah, that that's anti Native or not Native American. That's anti uh, North American conservation model, which makes zero sense. Most definitely. I, saw, I think I saw. I think it was Gavin or somebody. Uh, I'm reading the treaty or whatever now, and it says that uh, they have they shall have the right to hunt on unoccupied lands or the United States uh, so long as game may be found thereon. So, like, but elk were extirpated for a while, so these mm-hmm. are not the same elk. Right? Yeah, it's and that is a good. Like for a while, there was no elk there. Yeah. Like this is a, it's a different herd. Uh, and you probably argue that it's a different like type of genetic makeup, probably. Uh, just because they more or less went extinct in the area for a while. So, and the, I mean, there's pretty much. I mean, God, hold on, my dog's freaking out. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Uh, you got a dog freaking out. I've got a cat freaking out. Rob's got a dog laying in the background being mm-hmm. calm. He's just sleeping. <laughs> but yeah, this seems like a not good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Long and short of it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of there with you. This doesn't, uh, and the, I hope those are fireworks and not gunshots. Uh, the long and short of it is, and what like what's kind of causing the controversy is, it was a five to four decision, and it was uh, Gorsuch, the first Supreme mm-hmm. Court nominee, nominated by uh, Trump, that sided uh, sided with the uh, more liberal justices. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm kind of kind of curious to see see what's uh, what's going to shake out in that. So, I'm going to try and reach out to some people and see see what I can find out. Um, tonight it's, uh, myself, Garrett and Rob, and we are going to start a, a small series on shot sequence. Um, so, uh, basically, uh, Blaine is going to come in part two because Blaine has gone, gone through Joel Turner's IQ course, shot IQ course. So I don't really have much of a... Uh, shot process or shot sequence. Uh, mine basically. You do. You're the, just not being fully aware of it. Yeah. You're not, uh, you're not conscious of it. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a good or a horrible thing. Uh, I'll let you guys tell me and then we'll let Blaine tell us how stupid all of us are. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then if Joel wants to, he can come on, tell us how stupid all of us are. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. So more or less, um, tonight's an education thing for me, uh, because, I, I don't really think about my shot sequence. My shot sequence is pull it back, put the pin on it and squeeze the trigger on the release. Or if it's, you know, trad, pull it back, let my 
brain do the work on an instinctive shot and then try and pull through the shot when I'm uh, when I'm where I want to be and then just let it go. And that's about all I got to be, <laughs> to be blatantly honest with you guys. Uh, but it seemed to have worked out so far. So I guess, I mean, it could be worse, I suppose. Um, Blaine and I had a little spat over if I have tar- target panic or not. <laughs> I I don't think that I do, but I, I guess I'm open to being wrong. I've never, I've never felt like when people describe target panic, I'm like, man, that sounds awful. Glad I don't have that. Uh, so, and I know it's something that a lot of people deal with, but I, it's I don't a very I, broad term for a lot of different mental hiccups. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it it really just a, it's, more a, it's a blanket. It's a blanket. <clears throat> yeah. It's a blanket. It could be anything, because, anything I mean, that might throw your panic could be locking high, locking low, locking anywhere aside from where you want the pin to right. be. Right. If we're talking compound, mm-hmm. um, it can be uh, increasingly instable uh, pin where mm-hmm. the more that you try and uh, stabilize, the worse shape. that it gets. Um, it can be punching. It can be like there's all of these things that all really, if you boil it down, all kind of tie back to uh subconscious confidence in where that arrow is going. Right. Um, and I mean, I think that's about as simply as it can be put is if you're trying to force part of the shot, mm-hmm. that is some level of panic. Um, okay. Well, I don't know, Garrett, would you agree, disagree with that? Yeah, I mean, it can be almost anything that, like, just whatever, any sort of hiccup that you have, at least in my experience. Like, there was a time when, like, I didn't know it was target panic. I just knew that there was something wrong, and I had to just kind of overhaul what I was doing. But there's a time when um, I couldn't, like, I'd get stuck off of the vitals. Like I could mm-hmm. not, put, I could not push my pin onto the vitals, no matter right. what I did. That's always. I always thought I kind of pushed target panic into two main categories: either you can't control your float, and th- th- I'm speaking when I speak this broadly. I'm normally speaking in compound terms, but uh, yeah. if if you shoot trad, I'm guessing that you kind of like you should be able to read between the lines and kind of figure out how it relates to you as well, because it, it can certainly happen to both. But it's always it's either been. I can't control my float at all. Like I'm, you know, ducking and diving all over the, uh, all over the vitals or I get stuck. Like, you know, like what Rob said below, uh, above left or right of the vitals. Cause everyone kind of comes into the, comes into their shot in different ways. When, when I shoot a compound, I normally come in from the bottom and, you know, just kind of embrace my float and let it float up a little bit until it's there. I don't, this is probably why I don't, I've been too terrified to shoot back tension because that's man, well hell maybe I do have target target panic because that's kind of shot anticipation I guess if I'm uh-huh. if I'm if I'm, coming, <laughs> I'm coming across the target I'm like yep right there squeeze her off uh, that's but, if yeah, you're timing your float yeah that's that's anticipating the shot 
Yeah. So that, I, that, that's I mean, forcing. I don't know. Like I can, I can, well, I can slow down the float like pretty well. But if well, you're like the, the yeah, thing put, is, put in right where you want to shoot it and hold it there for five seconds, I'd be like, ah, you're funny. Well, and, but the, here's the thing is, and this is something that a lot of people don't necessarily comprehend, is that your pin will never be static. Right. It will always move. And you have to accept that fact before you can truly be in control of your shot. Because if if you're... Well, I accepted that fact a long time ago. Well, but if <laughs> if you're at all timing your release based on your float now your pin is controlling the shot and you're not and that's where that's where the the panic part can set in is that if it if it continues down that path now you might not be fully prepared for the shot but the pin crosses where you want and you just instinctually punch yeah. And it's a progression that you can kind of fall into down I don't that know path. That if, I don't know if it's good or bad, but when I shoot, like, my good shots feel good, but, like, in my mind's eye or whatever, where my pin is, like, is nowhere near where I think it should be when I release. So, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, like, oh, Jesus. And then, uh, I, you know, I tend to... Well, right and and that's, like, oh, that, okay. that's kind of the in-between thing because yeah. what happens is if... If you pick your spot and you let the pin achieve natural float where you're not fighting it, you're just letting it achieve a, a kind of a balance where it, it's got a steady kind of n- normalized motion. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you quit looking at the pin. Mm-hmm. You now focus purely on your spot. And so even though your your eyes might, when you release, it might go, man, that pin was to the left. Yeah. It, like, but there you, it goes you, where that, I wanted it. Partly that means that you weren't focusing on your spot. But the other part when it, like you said, where you have that clean shot and you go, you know, it, 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 it looked off, but it's perfect. It's because your subconscious was doing what it was supposed to do and and putting it where you want it. Right. Yeah. And that's the disconnect where it's I always try and relate it to like a, a glass of water that's filled all the way to the top. If you focus on that and that's going to be like your pin, if you focus on that cup and trying not to spill it, you're going to make a correction, make another correction, overcorrect, overcorrect, spill. And the same thing happens with your pen, is it's going to move if you fight it and focus on it. You're going to be overcorrecting, and that's where things get out of control. Um, Sounds like my uh, <clears throat> life experience with riding a dirt bike anywhere. <laughs> don't hit that don't hit that don't hit that oh i hit it Bam. oh <laughs> but <clears throat> i think we're kind of getting a little bit of, ahead of ourselves here um, yeah hell you guys are gonna have to direct this conversation because i like i don't know what the hell i'm doing so i so. mean um from a very basic 
uh, brand I, I new actually, shooter. I, I do have a I do have a quick question. Yeah, kind of, yeah. it's that's also in regards to like our our listeners. Uh, how is is a well timed or well thought out? I don't even know how to explain it. But that is is a good shot sequence. Does a does a good shot sequence change between foam and or spots uh, versus game? It shouldn't. Or, or does yours? Should be the same. I mean, I, okay. that's why you practice. So it, it's it's a matter. Rob would say. Yeah, it's a matter of purposeful practice, um, because if you're. Uh, purposefully going through your sequence when you're practicing, whether it's paper or foam. Mm -hmm. And that means that you're going to be able to evaluate bad shots. And you'll know that, oh, I I messed up a little bit on this step or I messed up a little bit here or something was off. Right. And you can, you can, if you're focused on, your, your process, you can pinpoint where those problems are easier. Right. Because it's not just something went wrong. It's something went wrong in this portion. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, I usually know right when my shot breaks, like what I was doing wrong. Yeah. Right. And like either, you know, like a lot of I'm, I've gotten real bad at like, I guess I might, I might have a little bit of target panic, but I've gotten real bad at dropping my hand when I shoot my back tension. Yeah. Like for whatever reason, or not really dropping my hand. It's more like I just let that front shoulder get too lax right before I release, and it's been I haven't been shooting my back tension enough for it to yeah to fix it. But I know that that is one of my issues. Well, and if you're focused like that in practice, now it's no different than like a free throw or or anything else that's high repetition. If you purposefully practice it, now when you try and do it in a, in the heat of the moment, in, in a just snap reaction, your body's going to just go through the motions. And now, even though adrenaline's flowing, even though you're, you know, just hyper-focused on, holy crap, there's this animal in front of me. You're inherently subconsciously going through the motions that you've ingrained through practice. And because of that, you're going to end up with a more consistent result in those high tension situations. I mean, Matt, this can easily relate back to, uh, I'm assuming, some of your military training with weapons. Like, I know my wife that went through... uh, uh, criminal justice that's in their weapons training. That was one thing that was brought up was how many repetitions it takes to make a muscle memory. Right. You know, and how every movement. So the draw, you know, getting to ready, aiming, pulling the trigger, each one is a separate step and each one takes hundreds of repetitions to become natural. Right. And because in a high stress situation, you lose like somewhere like 75, 80% of your motor control. And so at that point, it needs to be in, it needs to be subconscious. Yeah. Fine motor yeah. control goes out the window real quick when you're exactly, exactly <laughs> real fast. 
And that's where a lot of guys fall apart is, is if it's not ingrained, if they don't have that process just like carved into their mind, then everything falls out the window. And now they yeah. gripped and now they punched and they're like, man, why did that hit five inches to the left? Well, there's guys <laughs> that there's guys that can't get their bow drawn, which is a mm-hmm. major motor function when their adrenaline hits. It's like you didn't practice at all, did you? Right. Like if your well, body shuts just, down that much, it's like, come yeah. on, what what did what were you doing for the whole year leading up to this season? Well, and I mean in an extreme like, case. Like I have a couple of buddies that when, when an animal walks in front of them, they remember drawing their bow and they remember getting down from the stand. (laughs) They literally have no recollection of the actual event. I but usually, yet they make gold. They they make beautiful shots. Their right. mind just is completely shut down and overloaded. And because they've put in the time, because they've put in the purposeful effort in knowing how to to shoot, it's on autopilot. Yeah, and, I mean that's that I like. I don't remember my release breaking at all like on shots on animals. I don't, I don't remember it, but like then there's others that it was like, it was in super slow-mo or my release breaks. And I see that arrow go right where I want it to. I'm like, well, that was pretty awesome. Like my, with my elk, (laughs) my, the, the elk I actually killed, uh, that one was like super slow-mo, but the one, the first one that I shot at and hit in the back strap that same year, I did not remember that shot. Like, my buddy was like, where'd you hit it? Like right after the fact, I'm like, hi, I think I honestly don't know. Yeah, it's tough. And it, it, it situation to situation, it can change as far as how you react to it. And that's where having everything just kind of locked in can be really beneficial. It can take out some of the variables. Um, so as far as, I guess, addressing what is a shot sequence, it's simply put a sequence of steps that you mentally work through as you go through the process of shooting an arrow. Um, and I would say that for like brand new shooters that have never shot before, you typically go a little further, a little more in depth. Once things get stabilized, um, at that point, things start becoming um, almost assumed. Um, and it it's one of those where you're still doing the different steps you're just maybe not uh specifically addressing them which sometimes you you should still be um but as the experience level changes the conscious part of it can change as well um 
So, I mean, from a, a basic standpoint, your overall body position, um, for a new shooter, this is typically where you're going, okay, you want, you know, your kind of normal athletic stance, whatever, whether it's fully square or like balls of your, your lead foot kind of matched with the arch of your back foot, um, whatever that comfortable stance is, but to be consistent with it to start with. Um, address your target, grip, draw, settle, anchor, pick your spot, let the pin settle on the spot, look through the pin onto your spot, pull through, release, um, and then follow through. You missed um, a step. Probably. A Align your peep. Okay. Yep. See, and <laughs> and that's where depending on your on your uh, for yeah, but for beginner, like that's one beginner, that that, I know that's a very big part. Yes, miss it a lot. You know, like I'm like, what were you doing? Like, what? How did you miss six inches to the left from this shot and the one before? They're like, I'm not sure. It's like, did you align your peep? No. Like, well, that's and, what it and is. that's okay. that's a very good point. Is um, so. I mean, when you have the initial steps done, you, you've evaluated your body position um, because as you advance and you get into different hunting situations, you won't always have that that static position, right? So you have to be able to evaluate it. Um, but you you have your your grip, and then you draw um, your peep alignment, and then your bubble. People I'm in and bubble are honestly, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because those are probably two of the bigger hiccups that people don't think about when Especially they're seeing inconsistencies on a yeah. hill. Yeah. Distance well, and, on a hill, those become a very hill, It becomes even more important to know that your bubble's correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, because yeah, that's where a lot of people... Make sure that your bubble is, is actually level. Um, because... A site can be level horizontally, uh, uh, parallel to the ground. Um, but when you start doing angle up or angle down, if that site isn't properly aligned, uh, and this would be your third axis, um, then the bubble's lying to you. And then you'll get in trouble in a different way. Um but as far as the sequence goes, making sure that you have those indicators, that your anchor is there, that your peep alignment is there, the bubble is there. Those are all different forms of anchors. They're reference points telling you that you're in position. Um, and then it's, you know, that that pin control, letting it, letting it float. Um, and this is something that's really easy to kind of work on at close range is to draw settle into your anchor and just try and hold on a spot um and you'll notice that there's an initial kind of wobble as everything settles out and then it'll if you let it it will kind of turn into a natural consistent float um, and that's where like draw length can play into this. 
because too short of a draw length, a lot of times that pin will get twitchy um, where it's really stable, but then when it moves, it jumps like off target. Um, If it's too long, your floats can be really big. Um, So there's some things that you can fine tune once you are looking at your different steps. Um, But I don't know. Garrett, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of just rambling here. So any. Um, Yeah. I mean, that was the only thing that I really thought of as you were going through those steps was just the like peep alignment bubble. All the, like those are super important, especially like, especially for people hunting like spot and stock hunting, because I don't know how often you shoot on a steep hillside, up yeah. or even just across like that like you think you're like if you're not paying attention to that bubble you come the full draw and you're like oh my bow feels like it's level and then you look at your it's bubble not. And it's way <laughs> to the wrong direction you're like oh yeah. wow okay that would have been really bad yeah <clears throat> as far as the how do i how do i explain this as far as my uh subconscious shot sequence goes i think one of the things that i pay a lot of attention to is the bubble and and i think it's it comes from uh, me shooting i get really bored just shooting at a uh at a target like at a at a spot like you know shooting down a lane so we've got a couple of local places where you know it's it's not a 3d course but it's a it's a course where, you know, mm-hmm. there is, it's, you know, it's kind of a spot target. Somebody normally just puts like a, like a golf tee or something in there. It's brightly colored so you can see it or, you know, they'll spray paint like a little orange dot on it or something like that. Just, but it's just a big block of foam, but it's in like the equivalent of a, like a 3d course with hills and stuff like that. And a lot of the times, you know, I'll, you know, pull back and get settled and think, okay, like I'm level. And then you look at your bubble and you aren't level uh and yep. but your subconscious is trying to make you level like with what the perception of the earth is at the at that shot um so i think that's something that i think about a lot so i i mean you tell me am i making am, am i making a mistake by not going through like not thinking about my shot sequence because well, I mean, it sounds no. it sounds like the more the more you guys explain it, the, the it because I think I like going through it. I'm like, yeah, like before I even pull back, like multiple times, especially this weekend shooting the recurve, like multiple times before, like when I would start to put tension on the bow, I'd be like, nope, grip doesn't feel right, and I'd sit there and wiggle, like wiggle my my hand a little bit till I get my grip where I wanted it, uh, and and then you know pull back and. Uh, you know, align your peep, check the bubble, do all that fun stuff. And when I think about uh, like when I'm when I hear you guys talking about this and I'm thinking about what I do, it's like check, check, check. I mean, there's a couple things I could probably do better, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I kind of. Well, this I, is where I, 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 I do. Before. I do feel like I'm I'm going through some sort of. Yeah. Shot well, sequence, and that's guess, exactly what I, I said know, before I don't know what it is. was you have a shot sequence. You're just not focusing on it it's is there. that a good, is that a good or a bad thing though i don't know it 
I think in my opinion, it depends on if you're having problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, because the broadside of a barn, that's not good. And you should yeah. pay more attention. Cause yeah, I mean, I think that's like, that's kind of what, I mean, Rob and I talk about it on our group chat all the time is just like the purposeful practice. That's where that comes in. Cause if you're just, if you're not focused on that shot sequence at all and you can't shoot, like you're not shooting well, you're not actually practicing with any sort of purpose. You're just flinging arrows. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of times what can happen is if you're not consciously kind of going through the motions and it's, it's not like you're, you're sitting, you're talking to yourself. It's, it's like you said, when you, when you grab that bow, is it in the right spot? If I draw and something feels off, having the control to stop, let down, address the problem. Make sure it's right before proceeding, right? Don't let the shot control you. That's the biggest thing is don't loose an arrow when you know something's wrong. Right. Right. And so when, when I say purposeful practice, it's exactly that it's even if you're not like in your head going grip, check, peep, check, like right. it's all there, right? And right. if you're aware of it and you're going, because like personally, when I draw, I settle into my anchor, make sure my peep is there, glance at my bubble, glance at my pin. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, Normally, when I draw, my pin is already very close, close to yeah. where I want it, right? See, that's, so, that's something I don't pay any attention to. None. What? Where, 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 my, where my pin is when I draw. Like, I don't, I don't, hold, I don't hold the bow out. Like, no, I'm not saying to do that. Already. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying by the time I'm anchored, and this probably comes from playing with traditional and shooting instinctive is by the time I draw an anchor and I'm settled, my peeps lined up and I'm I'm looking through my scope to my target, I'm already very near where I want to hit. Right. And that's just, in my mind, that's just instinctual. It, it's, you know, sure. it's like throwing a baseball. I, I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking about where I want to hit when I'm drawing. Right. And so I'm coming back and I'm I'm naturally lining everything up and now I'm going through the motions going okay, peeps good, bubbles good. Fix the pin, you know, settle it into where I want it, let it settle. And now I don't look back. I don't yeah. look back at the bubble. I don't look back at the pin. I lock on to the spot that I want. I know that you know, subconsciously the pin is floating in the area that I want it to be. And I don't focus on it. I don't worry about it at that point. I'm trusting right. the float. And at that point, it's focus on the spot, focus, focus, focus. As I'm pulling through, the shot pops off. And then I guess personally, I try and maintain my sight picture until I hear impact. And that that's a that's a trigger that I 
kind of put in place from shooting more longer range because right. when I first started shooting longer range, I noticed that I would, um, if I missed, I was missing low. Because you're and dropping your bow. I, I was, I was dropping my arm. Yeah. And so to combat that, I went to the extreme and just said, I'm just going to maintain form. I'm going to exaggerate and maintain form. And if, if I'm not peaking, if I'm still lined up and looking through my scope on target, then I can't drop right. and I can't peak. And I, you know, and so it was just a step that I added in to go, this is a countermeasure to something that I was doing and I'm forcing myself to maintain. And that that's part of that purposeful practice is recognizing the issue and then addressing it. I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And in my head, I think that is, uh, I think that's really applicable to, uh, to compound long range shooting. I want to take a minute to talk about, uh, traditional as well. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to have to run an ad here. So, uh, if you have headphones on, you're zoned out, tune, tune back in. You can fast forward 30 seconds just to pass that ad. So, heads up, here it comes. <laughs> well, I went, I went and shot, <clears throat> shot that uh, local, <clears throat> goodness gracious, that local 3D course uh, I was telling you guys about for the uh, trad uh, club. And I, when I went there, I shot with two two guys that happened to be there. And, you know, I'm just imagine somebody's first time on a 3D course shooting a recurve. And that's basically exactly what happened. And, <laughs> and we got like, to... Uh, Are you sure you've done this before? (laughs) Yeah. I swear I've been shooting a recurve for a year. Uh, And uh, we got to... Yeah, I I have been. Uh, We went to... uh, Or we we got to... It had to be at least the 11th or 12th. Okay, well, here's a good question. What do you call them? Holes? Because it it wasn't just a uh, maybe a shot. Steak? Uh, Steak? Uh, uh, Stage? Next, uh, I think we usually call them stakes be, be, because the, there was normally like two or three target? targets per per like Stake? stage. Okay, sure. Uh, station. Yeah, I don't know. Station. Yeah, yeah that'd stage, be I guess stage, at least stage. around here. Each each spot you stop at is considered a station. Okay, um, and there could yeah. be you know one to three targets depending on right. the course. Okay, um, so we we're it was like the at least the tenth or between the 10th and 12th station and it was the long it's the longest shot on the course it was like a almost 50 yard shot uh on a uh what was it oh it's a um it's a homemade saber-toothed tiger and uh i had to weed it off and there i was like okay but i knew my point on with with how I anchor is like 40 yards. So I just held like 
right uh, a little bit over the top of the back and just let it rip. And it, I mean, like Aaron Snyder style, just like perfect arrow <laughs> flight, just and just this bomb just like drops right in, right on the 10 ring. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Did you walk away to, after that. Yeah, yeah, I was totally <laughs> like, meant right, to do Gadwell, that. See you later. Yeah. So, uh, it was, uh, it was funny, but yeah, then I, you know, proceeded to airmail it on a, a couple, a couple of next stages, shit, shorter ranges. Uh, but anyway, so traditional archery, um, <clears throat> probably has a different shot sequence. Uh, Garrett, I know you're, you're starting to wade into trad, Rob, you've been shooting that yeah, not, longbow not you've got for, about, uh shot yeah. sequence with a recurve. Rob, I know you've been shooting your your uh hill style yeah. uh, longbow for about a year now. What uh what do you think about uh shot sequence with trad gear versus compound? I mean, if you boil it down, it's the same thing. Um it's lacking a couple of the additional steps, but I mean Basically, you're still going to evaluate your body position um, and adjust accordingly kind of thing. Um, you still definitely need to focus on your grip. Um, and then one extra step is your hook. Um, so not only do you need to have a consistent grip on the bow, you need to have a consistent hook on the string. Right. Whereas a compound, mm -hmm. you're hooking onto a D loop. Right. It's going to be exactly the same that. every time as long as you're holding the release the same. Right. Um, so you, you know, have you check your grip, you check your hook, um, at least for how I draw, which is uh, more of a rotational draw. Um, at that point, my riser and my arrow is going to be kind of pointed to the left. Um, and then I hook the string, I draw out, and then I, I come into my face. I hit my anchor. Um, so that's for me. I'm settling uh, my finger into the corner of my mouth. And the tip of my nose is just kind of tickling the string. That gives me my sight picture. Um, and I shoot instinctive, so I'm not really referencing the tip or anything else. I'm staring at my target. Um, and so once I hit all those spots, now I am just like boring a hole through the spot that I want and then expand and follow through. Um, so do you, uh, you shoot instinctive, right? Yeah. Or do you shoot gap? No, I shoot okay. instinctive. Okay. That's why you're, you're staring right at the target. Yep. Um, so, and kind of like right before we, uh, cut to break the, uh, you were talking about shooting longer distances and how it makes shorter shots feel easier, uh, and, and how you were, you were, I don't know if having issues sounds like a dickhead way to put it, but you were uh, uh, no. continuing to you were continuing to follow through 
on your form to ensure that you didn't drop your bow yep, arm. Yeah, when I first started uh, shooting long distance, I noticed that I was occasionally dropping my arm uh, right. with my compound. And so my solution to that was in practice, I was maintaining form longer than than needed. So I I think granted this isn't my uh young uh personal opinion on uh traditional archery, uh young being just like not having a ton of time associated with it, but I feel like shooting longer distance with trad uh also helps with shorter shots in the much much like shooting compounds does uh, uh you know if, if i shoot if i shoot at 30 35 yards pretty consistently and, and not um, let me rephrase this if i shoot a lot at 30 35 yards uh you know especially shooting instinctive when i get down to uh you know 10 15 10 12 15 yards those shots just almost feel automatic but you you can't really with with trad with how you pull through and how you expand i feel like you can't really keep the same sight picture like you would with a compound or do you not find that to be the case i guess it depends on what you're referring to as sight picture because so my, when, my when, only when, sight picture is i i shoot my traditional bows with both eyes always open mm-hmm. um I shoot both eyes open 100 percent of the time as well. And it's I mean on compound, uh, Garrett and I were kind of discussing this while you were uh, off. Um, yeah, we had a pretty good conversation while you were gone. Actually, you should probably. But leave it in. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but I tend to. I'll just, I'll just leave the whole um, thing in there. <laughs> I tend to close my left eye and then reopen it, which just allows my my dominant right eye to get the initial sight picture Mm -hmm. and then my peripheral comes in um and so i guess i kind of do the same thing but not to the same extent with my traditional bows um because i don't have a scope that i'm trying to like zone in through um right but i mean it's uh, more or less are you saying on your long distance shots for compounds that you try and you try and keep your pin on the target like until it's a it follow hits the through. target yeah on it's the follow through follow right. through so that's after right. the arrow's left that's right that's right. exaggerating because the longer the intrigue. shot if you i mean if 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 you're taking say like the 150 yard shot that i referenced for total archery challenge mm-hmm. if you think about dropping your arm it's, it's going to hit drop. low yeah, like, I mean, no joke. If you think about dropping your arm, it's going to hit low. And so my counter to that is when I'm I, I've got my sight picture, my pins where I want it. It's floating naturally. I'm looking through it and focusing on my spot. I back tension, pull through, pop, and I continue looking through my scope. And I, I never leave focus of my spot. Right. And that is just uh, an, a, an exaggeration where I could 
lose that focus as soon as the arrows left the bow. Yeah. But in the and heat I, of the I, moment, I it's hard to differentiate that, you know, hundredth of a second difference of when the arrow's truly gone and when it can still affect the shot. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't, I, I, I agree and understand that it doesn't like you, you focusing on it that long doesn't root unless you, you're like Charles Xavier or something. Uh, that's an X-Men reference <laughs> for you nerds, for you non-nerds uh, uh, to be able to, you know, will that arrow into the well, and, into where you want it and what but it does I, I guess what i'm asking is do you are do you find yourself able to do that with with a trad bow or because i with, I just with a trad off, bow? The, off the cuff i don't think that i can because when i expand all the way through my riser is not in the same spot now i do find it easier with a trad bow to watch your arrow because and that's what i was just going to say is that with my traditional gear um I don't have a scope housing to reference, right? Right. And I'm shooting instinctive, so I'm not looking at my point. I I will say that um, I do probably subconsciously reference my riser as far as left and right. It's like an uh, like when I first line up, mm-hmm. that riser edge is kind of giving me a, a rough. Uh, um, kind of argue in the right position. <laughs> right. Um, but once I'm pulling through and releasing at that point, I'm, I would say that I'm maintaining my same focus on the target. Um, and because of the slower arrow speed, I'm then seeing the arrow come through my line of sight. And then I, I will switch from the target to that arrow and kind of watch it fall. Um, and that could definitely depend on lighting and a whole bunch of other things as far as how I switch there, but that's all after shot. Right. Um, But I definitely like, being able to catch that because for me, it's a, it's a bit of a learning experience with seeing, okay, I'm, I'm taking a 25 yard shot and my arrow was up here and it came in here Mm -hmm. because it's, it's helping you understand that trajectory. Um, And honestly, that's a big part of how I, picture my my instinctive aiming is knowing kind of that arc and then being able to you know kind of mentally lay that in you know like if you think back to like the old like tank games where like (laughs) you're like yeah yeah you know you you knew what that arc looked like and so you could you could aim just kind of based off of angles yeah and it that's how in my head that kind of works um but in all honesty i don't have a lot of long range experience with it because my entire focus with traditional was short 
um, and then I guess combine that with shooting a uh, homemade hill style flat bow. I don't have any speed. And so there's a definite difference for me shooting that bow instinctively beyond 20 yards. Um, beyond 20 yards, I need to like consciously lift my arm. Um, inside of 20, it's very natural. It's, it's right. uh, you know, address my target and my arm just kind of goes there. Right. Um, beyond that, I need to consciously lift. And that, to me, kind of defeats the purpose and it it breaks that natural flow and i guess it's been a struggle point for me um like when i when i still had sam's recurve um that i walked out to 30 without much of a problem right but that was a very different bow um yes and i will say that i'm very much looking forward to the new one showing up here in the mm-hmm. next uh, couple of weeks or month. Um, but uh, I guess I don't have a big drive to shoot long range with my traditional bows. Um, I, I don't, I don't have like a huge drive to do it, but man, is it cool to, Oh no, it's watch definitely watching, watch an arrow at like a hundred, watching the flight of the arrow, 180 feet per second, just yes. drop in like a, oh, and awesome. I will say that while at least for instinctive, um, longer range practice can be very good for honing your left, right, mm-hmm. which in my opinion is form. Um, your left, right is, is at least for instinctive is going to be your, initial target address and your release. Um, and then the height is that mental aspect for instinctive. Um, so even if I'm, you know, if I try and some pokes at 35 or 40 mm-hmm. and I'm maintaining my left, right, I know that I'm doing my part. Right. Even if it's just your, even your... if I'm not, instinctively getting the trajectory right right i know that my my form's there yeah Um, agreed and that's what i was trying to focus on this week yeah you know and that's having never really really shot 3d with a recurve at all yeah uh you know i was i was just like you know as long as my like i'm not worried if i hit low or high like i'll figure that out with time uh but you know i've uh I want to I want to make sure that my left right is for the most part mm-hmm. where it needs to be. And even then I wasn't super worried because this these arrows weren't really tuned to this bow. It actually ended up working out all right, which I was surprised by. Uh, but um yeah, with with traditional uh I think your your best indicator is your left right. If your left right is looking fine, then all things considered you're probably you're probably doing okay and your form is good enough. Uh well, I mean never, never settle, but, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're probably, uh, you probably have good enough form to make a good shot. I guess if your left and right is there, you just aren't, uh, your trajectory wasn't, wasn't on whether yeah. you're shooting gap 
or instinctive yeah. or hybrid. Well, and that's where I think it, it think it depends on the method being used because now if you're shooting a gap off of the point or if you're shooting a crawl or you know whatever your method is if if that method entails referencing something for your height now that becomes part of your form right right whereas instinctive and so, someone can probably completely tear this apart but probably for so me, i'm hoping blaine does instinctive next, next time is the height is purely mental um and i mean there's i'm probably referencing all kinds of stuff subconsciously that i'm not aware of but if you yeah. talk to blaine i'll tell you that's not good enough <laughs> but it's one where as soon as i'm consciously referencing something now that's now that is a fixed part of your process it's a fixed part of your of your form because if you you know if you change your head position a little bit or you change your grip a little bit and you put your point on your spot those little changes just caused your point to not be true. Yeah. Right. And that could be a high, low or a left, right where, I mean, I'm, it, it does play into instinctive the same way. If I grip wrong or I, or I hook wrong and I anchor wrong, whatever, it, it's going to affect my high, low as well. But I guess instinctive, it's a lot harder to see that or to know that it was the form, it's a lot easier to see your left, right. Sure. But I am by no means an expert. I am very much a student when it comes to traditional archery. Um, and I'm learning more every day. That's just today. I was trying uh, three under for the first time, giving it a serious try in like forever. Yeah, I uh, about halfway through the course, the guys I was shooting with were like, you should just get three under a shot. And we checked my tiller and they were like, hey, you're not off like so much that three under would be end up being a real big issue. And uh, I did it just to just for giggles and tell you what, on closer shots made a real big difference Yeah, because I wasn't shooting two feet into the dirt like I am on my. 40 ish 41 yard point on for uh you know for uh for split yeah yeah uh, you know made eight, 15 to 20 yard shots way easier because my point on was probably around i don't know probably mid 20s i'd guess when i switched to three under with like a i, I adjusted my uh d loop or not my d loop <laughs> oh god i just terrified some of the trad the uh, trad <laughs> police uh um my knocking point i adjusted up a little bit and uh for, to give me a little more clearance pulling pulling three under and it uh uh it was i was probably mid-20s but shot better shot better on closer targets for sure uh and that that's kind of where i want to hunt anyway so um garrett do you have any 
anything to say with trad? I know you aren't. I know you aren't there yet, but uh, I know. I know. You're, uh, you're gonna I mean, be, I'm going to keep peer pressuring you. I did figure out that uh, when I was first shooting the bow that I have, I was trying to draw it like a compound, which is not the mm. right way to do it. I guess. Yeah, or it I just, mean, it's not. It wasn't as repeatable for me. Versus like drawing out and away and then coming into anchor. I tell you what, I especially shooting shooting Sam's bow. If your form isn't like 100% on from the very beginning of the draw cycle, like by the time you get to the end of it, you're going to be in a world of hurt because it's (laughs) uh, uh, it's just it's so aggressive on that front end uh, that by, by the time you get to the like the last two or three inches, even though there's, you know, not nearly as much stack, it's it, you, you, you can't adjust your form in the middle like you can with a lot of other recurves and longbows, I would guess. Uh, but yeah, you can't. Uh, uh, yeah, hell, I, I feel like yeah, maybe once again, maybe I'm wrong because I don't really think about it that much. But I would I would guess that you can really draw a compound just about any way that you want and still make a pretty good shot. Oh, I've uh, seen some atrocious yeah. people drawing yeah. a bow. I'm like, what is happening right now? Can yeah. Stop that? yeah. One, like the main thing that I see is like just drawing in a way that is terrible for their shoulder, like awful mm-hmm. for the rotator cuff, you know, the, the elbow down, like crank it all the way back and then, somehow get their elbow up once they get back to the back. I'm like, please stop that. Yeah. That's not good for you. <laughs> yeah. Makes me hurt just looking at you. You won't be able to shoot when you're 40. Yeah. But you know, and those are the same guys that are like, well, I shot 80 pounds back in the nineties. Now I can't draw a bow. It's like, well, I can give you one guess as to why that is. Cause one, that was way too heavy for you. And two, you were drawing it improperly. So your rotator cuff is gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big part. That's if you're not drawing properly, it's, it's, it might not cause problems today. It'll get you eventually. It though. will cause problems down the road. And that's, and I get it. Like, you know, there are guys that like, they have previous injuries, so that's the only way they can draw. But my response to that is fix whatever injury you have and continue to be able to use your shoulder the rest of your life. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I tore my labrum in my shoulder and got it fixed. And now I make sure that I keep it strong and try not to do anything else that messes it up. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. What do I know? I'm just a, Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I don't want to, uh, uh, especially because we're, you know, we'll be bringing, bringing Blaine in for round two of this since he's gone through Joel's course. I don't want to get like, like cr- too crazy, especially for, you know, part one. Is there, uh, is there anything else that's like big that you think we left out for part one of this series? I guess. I guess just as a, recap um i guess kind of to the point that you initially made matt that you said that you didn't have a shot process 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys are in that boat where they're going shot process. What do you mean shot process? Like I pull my bow back and I shoot it. Right. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Just one of those where if, if you're in that spot, just take some time and consciously evaluate what you're doing. Because if you do that and you kind of put it into your mind what the correct parts are, Mm -hmm. you're going to improve. You're going to become more consistent. So just the, the high level, you know, understanding your body position, um, in regards to elevation and all of that, you know, maintaining your T addressing your target, that kind of stuff. So main, you know, evaluate your body position, evaluate your grip, draw. If it's a traditional bow, evaluate your, your, your hook, um, tension on the string from what I'm told is important. Yeah. Get back, settle into your anchor, Make sure all of your references are there. If it's compound, that your peep is is aligned, that your bubble is there. Once everything's all aligned and everything is settled, now fine-tune the pin position and then focus on your spot. Pull through, squeeze through that release, and essentially just don't anticipate it let it let the pin float trust the float and let it pop off if you and i mean i guess everyone is going to have slight variations and little extra steps that they might like or that they don't necessarily pay attention to but if you can critically evaluate what your process is and break it down and then purposefully practice instead of just pulling back and flinging arrows and then getting done and going, man, I wonder why a bunch of those were hitting left. If you can actually break it down, you'll begin to realize why those ones were hitting left. And now you can correct it. Now you can pay attention to it and go, oh, I need to focus on my grip or I need to focus on pulling through my release, you know, whatever that is. And if you focus and pay attention to that and are just conscious of what you're doing, you will improve. And that that's the goal is to improve. No one's ever going to be perfect, but if we right. pay attention and we focus and improve on what we can improve on, you're going to get better. Yep. Well, I think I think what I'm going to take away from this, I'm going to try and do between now and when we and when we record next part of this series is I'm going to still not think about it, but think about it enough to where I can try and write it down. And see where I'm at because I'm like, I'm going through, like, I'm thinking about all the things you guys talked about at the beginning 
and there are some things that there are most of those I do, but some of them I, I may not consciously anyway. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to try, it. try and think about it and try not to focus on it, I guess. I'd say that's, I feel like some, <clears throat> that's some good homework for people if they want to try it is if you think that you don't have a shot process, figure out what your shot process is because you do have one. It's just, you're not aware of it. Yep, exactly. So what, so which way would you do Do you think you would, what do you think the best way that I should do it is? Do you think that I should write down what I think it is and then do it and then compare? Or do you think that I should just do it and then write it down? And go through it and figure out yeah go through the motions and yeah. figure out what so, you like step by step so we're talking I, feel, I, feel about like, it. I feel like writing it down first it will give you like some bias some like yes. confirmation bias so, yeah grab your bow and you're probably you are probably going to need to do this twice because you have compound yeah, and have to do trap. it for both right but grab your bow and just consciously think about what you're doing. So you grabbed your bow and you addressed your target, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's step one. You addressed your target. And that's where like the body position and, and that stuff comes in because you're going to address your target regardless of whether your feet are flat or if you're standing on an incline and your feet are, are offset or whatever the, the case is you're going to address your target. And in the middle of that, you're fidgeting with your grip and finding that perfect spot. Mm -hmm. And then you're drawing and then you're settling into your anchor and then you're lining everything up. Right. And so it's just a matter of slowly purposefully take a couple of shots and Go, okay, what did I just do? And then write it down. And then take a few more shots and go, oh, okay, I I guess I also do this or, you know, whatever. And once you have it nailed down, then you can look at it and go, am I missing something that could make me better? Or... Do I have an area that after even taking five or 10 shots that I'm realizing that, oh, I only did this on half the shots. Right. And and that's where the improvement comes from is until you know what you're doing, you don't know what you're skipping. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a big problem for a lot of guys like when they either when they first start or when they start having problems is that they don't know where to start because they haven't been thinking yeah. about it and doing that. They haven't been practicing in a way where they can take inventory of what they did and didn't do. So they don't know what to start doing different. So that's, you know, I've seen, there's a guy that uh, would always come into the shop that I used to work on or work in and he'd have us, mess with something on his bow like every time he was in and finally I stopped messing with his bow and just walked over and watched him shoot one time and he's like man I this thing's not shooting right so I took it and put three arrows inside a quarter with his bow like not even my bow I'm just like okay well let me check it you know put three arrows inside a quarter hand it back to him like it's you it's not the bow 
And then I watch him shoot and he's pushing so bad. Every shot, just pushing, pushing, pushing. And, it, you know, he's not consistent, but he's consistently way left. Right. But he was not consistent. Like he wasn't shooting consistent up and down at all. He's just all over right. the place vertically, but he's pushing way left. I'm like, what? Okay, stop that. First off. Second, it's not the bow. I'm not touching your bow anymore. And neither is anybody else. <laughs> you were put on restriction. Yeah. But then, you know, he finally he came back and he's like, once he started shooting the way he like he he could shoot, just he was having real bad time for a while there. But once he got a handle on it, he finally came back. He's like, thank you for not messing with my bow anymore and making me actually fix myself. Like, yeah, (laughs) I've seen you shoot. I know you can. And that's a big thing is like if you go through this process and you think you've got your your process down but something is like feeling off or you're someone that has continually struggled with something and now you're trying to evaluate it through a shot process and you're going okay I'm doing this I'm doing this like why why is this issue still occurring the best thing that you can do is have someone watch you shoot because a lot of times you will not realize that you're doing something mid shot that someone else is going to go. Why are you doing that? Right. Yep. And you're going to go, I'm not doing that. And then they're going to record you doing that. And you're going to watch yourself (laughs) and go, why am I doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Like it, it's amazing how that can happen. Um, And it's just a matter of, of taking all the information that you can get and evaluating it. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, that's like last week when we recorded Matt, I mentioned that I, I lost uh, that tournament because of three shots. Right. All three of those shots, as soon as I let them loose, I was going, why did I shoot? <laughs> and <laughs> they were yep. still eights. I was like, but I knew. And, and that's where like, as much as like, we're sitting here talking about this stuff. Guess what? we're still working on it. <laughs> yeah, like right. it's no one where yeah, be in, 25 even, out of those 28 targets, I did my process right. And those three, I should have let down. I knew that there was something wrong. And for whatever reason, I didn't let down. I didn't reset. And as you progress in understanding your process, that's going to become the struggle is, is knowing that there's a problem and not just pushing through. It's where a lot of guys get hung up in the end. And it's something that I've been trying to focus on this last year, but it still pops up. That's something that I do practice on. Like I know, like, so in like a 3D situation or target situation, you can let down. But there's a lot of times when 
we're hunting elk or whatever and you come to full draw and you're just stuck there for a while. So like you can't let down, but you can find different ways to rest without actually letting the bow down. So like we'll have to like just keep the bow at full draw, but you kind of just relax as much as you can whilst keeping it full draw. Like you pull the bow away from your face or whatever, and then you come back to anchor and like, that's your rest. Reset. Like you're still, you're still kind of tired obviously because you've been holding your bow for a minute or longer, but I mean, if you've got a bull staring at you at 20 yards and you're just waiting on him to take that one more step, like you can move a little, but you cannot move. Like you cannot let your bow down. Like that's not going to go well. Well, and and that's, that's allowing you to mentally reset. Yeah. Right. And that's that's just another, I mean, that's another thing. That's something that I really practice, you know, like I'll hold, hold at full draw for a while and then like pull away, reset like take another breath, reset, come back on anchor and shoot then. But yeah, that's one thing. If you are going to hold during practice, have, I, I would never recommend using a timer because oh, yeah. shooting on like to get stuff panic. Are, are, <laughs> yeah, that is a panic inducer. That is, but, a, that is a terrible clicker. Do not but, use a beeper. <laughs> having like a buddy, um, watching a clock and going, okay, you know, you've held for 30 seconds, release when you're ready. Because at full draw, when the pressure's not on and you're just sitting there waiting, 10 seconds can feel like an hour. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you might think that, oh, yeah, I've been practicing and holding, you know, for a minute before the shot. When in reality, you've been holding for like 15 seconds, you know? Yeah. yeah. If you want to feel how long uh, 30 seconds to a minute is, do some handstand holds or like planks, <laughs> even unweighted planks. Just don't use a timer or like use a timer, but don't look at it. And then do a plank for as long as you can. And I guarantee you it is not as long as you think you can hold one. Yeah, I've I've timed out a minute before like all holding it like a, like on a phone like yeah. friend doing it for me it's forever yeah. it's a long <laughs> long time well i know when i got to the end of that minute like i was very excited to shoot that bow <laughs> and i was and i was very excited to get in the general vicinity of what i was shooting at at mm-hmm. like 40 yards yeah i was like oh that would have it was by no means a a 10 ring you could say or an x <laughs> but it was i was like yeah that that would kill it at, at 40 yards and i was plenty happy with that after holding it for a minute so yeah. yep not exactly Alrighty. the best attitude to have but here we are <laughs> well that's that was, <laughs> it is what that it was is me. at that point that, that's what it, that's what it was good thing uh animals are big i guess yeah some of them <laughs> some, some are not uh but yeah okay uh do we have, do we have anything else before we uh we wrap this dude up no, for, uh, think we're, for, part, for part one. I think we're good. We'll we'll let the right. uh, the masters take over from here. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. Uh... Blaine will come in and <laughs> rail us, and then Joel will come in and rail Blaine. Like you've been teaching him what? <laughs> Do it again. Start <laughs> over. Uh, cool. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in and uh, get out this week. Go shoot do something cool with archery 
and stay lethal and don't forget the olive oil.